Another episode of the Neon Belly Podcast. We are your hosts, Nate and John, and John, and John, and Nate, and Nate and John, and John and Nate, and John. Today we are going to recap this past Saturday's UFC Fight Night: Sean Strickland versus Abus Magomedov. And then it's a short episode this week. All the news and happenings in and around the world of mixed martial arts and more. And John. Mm-hmm. How are we doing? Episode 140 yep. of the Neon Belly Podcast, or as some people are calling it, the Telephone Directory Assistance Number in Egypt episode of mm. the Neon Belly Podcast. And also, happy 4th of July. America. America, baby. America. <laughs> yeah. And I guess I guess off top we could discuss the whole um, with... Uh, why this is a short episode, mm-hmm. um, and that is because this Friday, July 7th at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, we are back on the MMA Underground YouTube channel with our live pre-fight show, The Kickback, baby. Yes, sir. Um, we're going to be giving you guys all of our picks and predictions for this Saturday's UFC 290 there. Um, this card is headlined by Alexander Volkanovsky versus Yair Rodriguez mm-hmm. for the unified mm-hmm. featherweight title, Brandon Moreno versus Alexander. Andre Pantoja for the flyweight title, Robert Whitaker versus Drikas Duplessis in a middleweight title eliminator, and so many more fire matchups. Outside of those three, what's the other one you're most looking forward to? Just Mm. throw one out there. There's only one answer here. It's got to be Dan Hooker versus Jalen Turner. Oh, yeah. That that one's going to be crazy. That one's going to be very interesting, especially how it... It's like, oh, I don't want to fight Dan Hooker. Then he lost. Yeah. He said he wanted to go train there. So maybe even after yeah, this. Yeah, he's like, I want to train with him. I yeah. don't want to fight him. Uh, so great, great card this Saturday, as we mentioned. And the the the, the pre-fight show the Friday before. Um, and we're going to be breaking down every fight, even into the prelims, because this uh, event is absolutely stacked. Yeah. So come over to the YouTube, hop in the live chat, and talk UFC 290 with us this Friday, July 7th, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have the link in our IG story on Friday, but yep. we would also encourage you, please go to the MMA Underground YouTube channel. Just make sure that you're subscribed, turn on the bell notifications, and that will tell you when we go live, baby. Yeah, you ain't going to want to miss this one. We're going to be picking for about 100 fights. Yeah, I mean, in bunch terms, of storylines, and in terms of like on paper, right? You got the Robbie Lawler retirement fights mm-hmm. on here, but just in terms of like on paper, I feel like you know this is only our fourth kickback episode, but this is probably the biggest pay per view if I remember. Yeah, Bo Nickel on like. there, boy. I mean, this is just a stacked, stacked UFC pay. Like I said, into the freaking prelims, baby. Let's go, John. We got to talk about some stuff, but before we do, rate, sub, follow, let the people know. All right, you know what we do here, man. If you guys got Apple Podcasts, if you have Spotify, follow us on there. You know, give us a five stars. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts helps us a ton we're on social media neon belly podcast that's instagram we're on tiktok we're on youtube we're doing real short stuff in our stories um you can even get us on twitter neon belly pod so just come show us some love i mean it doesn't slow down from here up until like the end of the year it's going to be packed and we're going to be covering it all so come through Absolutely. UFC fight night this past Saturday from the Apex. And I'm just going to say off top, I feel like this is going to be an episode where I'm just going to be contradicting myself this entire time (laughs) because I feel like these results are extremely contradictory uh, in terms of just 
guys, like top, like higher rank guys, lower rank guys, people making the most of big situations, you know, mm-hmm. taking their cracks. I don't know. I just was like trying to come through notes and, and like really think of talking points for all these fights. And I'm like, I can't really say that here because I'm kind of debunking that with right. this fight, but I'm just going to go for it. But I just felt like that disclaimer off top. So feel free to call me out if you're listening, banging your head like, dude, you just made a point for that right. in the last one. Sorry. But there is no real formula to this sport. And I think this is one of the toughest sports to predict yeah this is the epitome <laughs> of watch fight night uh yeah absolutely and let's just start out with the main event as sean strickland defeats abus magu made off via second round tko um this was just a very very impressive showing by sean strickland mm-hmm. eats a nasty eye poke early Ooh. with the first 15 20 seconds then takes a bit of damage honestly for the rest of round one um but the problem was for me personally is that Abus just put on an impossible pace in round one to keep up in a five round fight yeah. and i messaged you guys to come out in a in a five round main event and try to outpace a guy like sean strickland in round one was wild like yeah. i don't know what the thought was there um um, but this was the fear uh, in picking a boost as somebody who did pick a boost. I can yeah. say sucks to suck. Uh, it does suck to suck. <laughs> uh, and and because the question was, would that inexperience show in a main event in a five round fight against a high ranked guy? Um, and not only do I think it definitely showed, but I think Strickland also showed that he is without a doubt one of the top middleweights mm-hmm. in the world right now. Yeah, and you also have you know the moment, the adrenaline. You know, there's so many things that go into that. And against somebody who uses cardio as such a weapon like Sean Strickland, maybe he thought there was the Alex Pajeda, like, if I knock him out quick, I don't have to worry about my cardio. But, boy, did that go south. And so much credit to Strickland, too, for overcoming that eye poke. I loved his little, uh, what he said after they said, uh, you know, how bad was that eye poke? He's like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie, I almost got pregnant off of it. It was so deep. Um, But he said, uh, you know, he had to dig deep and fight that inner sissy, telling him to quit. um, and even when he told the ref, like, let's go, like, I'm ready, you can tell he was not feeling mm-hmm. 100% about getting back into that fight. Uh, so, like, again, I, I messaged you guys. I said, you know, to survive the round, get back to the stool, reset, and then go out there and get it done in that next round. That's just impressive in its own right. And that just shows mm-hmm. what having that, you know, high-level main event experience and just being a top-level fighter, like, just that difference, right? Um, Because I think even if you uh, question this performance for Strickland based off of his opposition, you can't deny an eye poke like that would hurt from a three-year-old. I mean, it was terrible. Well, you just get flashbacks of his training partner, you know, Chris Curtis having those issues, and it's like, you know, I think we, I feel like we had an issue with either head yeah we had an issue with headbutts and that obviously happened with curtis too so we have these like foul issues that's been happening and in my head i was like man not another main event yeah and he even admitted to like still being seen double at right. the end of the fight yeah and, and that's what i'm saying like uh, regardless if you if you even want to look at it and be like well he should have always done that it's not that impressive uh he beat an unranked guy as the number seven ranked guy cool but to overcome that that's what i'm saying like mm-hmm. i don't care what ranking i could go in and eye poke him right and it's gonna suck I right mean, that's tough to overcome so he he deserves praise for that and in terms of the opposition because I think that is going to be a big talking point now is in hindsight now knowing what we know and having seen this fight play out for you was this booking a failure by UFC matchmakers because I feel we did see the seventh possibly top five ring he could be in the top five this week right. uh, but I feel like we saw a top five middleweight versus an unranked guy this past Saturday yeah it, you know and it's one of those things where 
if one of those big strikes lands and knocks Sean Strickland sure. out, this is a whole different story. Good round one for a boost. That's what that was the tough thing is you know good round one. It just was he was never going to keep that pace for five well, rounds. And th- and this was my thing too is I felt like Sean Strickland working with Alex Pajeda and going through that knockout and even fighting Jared Cannonier, who's a, you know somebody who can throw yeah. power. I didn't think a power striker is going to be the guy who did it. Yeah, and I know that we were looking at possibly his grappling, but Sean Strickland got immediately up. yeah that's a good point he too. didn't he got his back taken and he was up immediately and that's kind of what i was saying last week as far as a boost is grappling like we just have to see it against the guys who are doing yeah. against the top level guys and i still think it's high level i just think sean strickland is so tough guy to, to Yo, finish dude. in general yeah. and you know in terms of the question of you know was it a failure or you know should this matchup have never happened you know i'm i think i'm gonna stick with what i said last week um and i still feel like this matchup was warranted mm-hmm. you know i think skill for skill again if you just look at that first round you can see a boost wasn't technically outmatched or too far off right. right um i think as far as that goes he belongs in this level now i just think you could argue putting a guy with so little ufc experience in main events in his second fight in the promotion is a big deal and a problem right but the ufc also can't help how the fight played out um, how it did and that Abus exerted so much energy in round one with a crazy pace and I still appreciate to some extent them taking a shot on a guy uh, who did show an early flash of potential because we're going to get to some other guys here that showed a lot of early flashes of potential on this card as well Um, but because the thing with Abus is he had even aside from the you know one early UFC fight, he does have a lot of big MMA experience and a lot right. of other big promotions like the PFL and stuff. So um, again, you know we've seen them slow build at times um, when it wasn't necessary. Mm-hmm. So it is a tough one. Like it, it's easy to sit here today and be like, yeah, that was a dud. Like why would well, they do and that? I think he could tweak things. I thought if I thought he laid off that leg kick way too early and those mm-hmm. teeps because I think it was doing a really good job of keeping Strickland away and him getting rhythm with his um, striking. Yeah, but the problem was as soon as Strickland got up off the ground Abus's tank just started going down yeah. his he was losing his cardio he was fading and at that point Sean Strickland sees that and he gets hyped that's because what, yeah, he loves that and that's what I was saying to try to like come out like that against a guy in Strickland who's built for this right, right. these five round crazy wars is like that was just wild man like I just I didn't quite understand that but it's the inexperience and you can't help you can't but deny that but right. I do want to spin this thing forward a little bit for Strickland because there is some things to get here to get here to but i do also want to know um do you have any like i told you so speech for me and brandon um you know it's just one of those things i'm i had such a good weekend that i'm just not going to put it on you guys like that but i will say <laughs> we can go back and clip you guys thought i was going to look so stupid for talking about <laughs> abuse's grappling being so good to be able to handle strickland and strickland got right back up off a of back take and then proceeded to pour it on him i definitely wouldn't have called a finish sean strickland hasn't got a finish since 2020 yeah. But it's one of those things where it started piling up. Um, and I think he's starting to use a couple uh, more weapons, started using his elbows, like diff- mixing different things in because he doesn't necessarily punch for power as much. But I just think that, you know, these are going to be so tricky to call moving forward because now we've seen, you know, some guys like Sarukian struggle a little bit and think, oh, maybe, you know, we need to give these guys a chance. And then you have this one where it's yeah. like, oh, there's a level. You know, there might not be a level on – there there's a difference on the undercard to a top five, top yeah. 10 guy. And I think that it's going to be hard to navigate that as people who try to pick fights. It is. And it is such in such a weird, you know, place in the sport. I think the good thing for a guy like a boost is you don't get worse after something like this. or no. You shouldn't. I mean, this was a crazy, it was kind of a free shot, right? Mm-hmm. Go try to beat this guy in a main event in your second fight. Nothing to lose. Um, 
and you know he could have won that fight and we'd be sitting here today singing a whole different tune um but i think he gets better and it's going to be interesting i hope he can stay more active than he has yeah. been i think that's going to be a big key for him right just try to be more active and string together some consistent wins but let's spin it forward right for sean strickland because there's a lot to talk about here mm -hmm. um he made it very clear he wants a shot at israel adesanya next he said he does think uh whitaker is going to run through drikas do play c um and since whitaker has fought izzy twice he thinks they should throw some fle uh fresh blood in there mm -hmm. in him in strickland um and listen i think um there's a lot that we could question uh if strickland is world championship quality right i, I think mm -hmm. People do question it. I think I may be one of them that falls into that. But I actually think I could talk myself, me personally, mm -hmm. into Strickland getting a shot at Izzy next, right? Obviously, they've had some fun back and forth. The build-up to the fight would be fun. It'd be hilarious. I'm um, not going to lie, John. You cover your ears. Izzy is not a great trash talker. Strickland is hilarious. He's a better fighter. So Izzy, out. I'll give you that. That's fair <laughs> enough. But for Strickland, that's all that matters at the end of the day. Be right. clear, for sure. Uh, Strickland 10-8s him, though. Probably 10-7s him in every press conference. Uh, but for Strickland, though, um, he has never faced Izzy, right? And he hasn't Because he hasn't been able to kind of break through to that next level. Mm -hmm. There does seem, though... And let me say this, to be this unexplainable thing with him and Izzy that I do almost feel like we need to see it, though. And I don't know yeah. why, because it's not like they've never fought before. So mm -hmm. there's nothing to really go off of. Cause, so I really can't explain it. Um, but maybe and, and maybe it is just the freshness of the matchup. But I also think stylistically it could be. Uh, exciting to some extent mm -hmm. and maybe it's the fact that Strickland does have such a unique style right um, and that may have a lot to do with it because not only is he a fresh name a fresh matchup for Izzy but stylistically it'd be fresh because nobody does what Sean Strickland does right um, so like the thing is like let's see how Izzy would approach a matchup like that against Strickland again I'm not sitting here saying you have to talk yourself into Sean Strickland being world championship material or right. quality or, or beating Israel Adesanya, but I think sitting here, at least for me personally, mm -hmm. I think I could kind of see the point. Like I, that does kind of interest me, and there is like some weird allure to our lore to wanting to see them fight for me personally. Right. And it's weird, and maybe it is their back and forth, but again, you can't deny nobody in the middleweight division does and can do what Sean Strickland does. Right, and you know, it's one of those things too where – We've had to come to grips with the fact that the UFC doesn't necessarily base off of earning a shot or talent matching up. It's entertainment. Yeah. What are people going to pull in to see? And, you know, I as much as I do think that Izzy is, like he's already said that he's really, really hoping Duplacy wins because yeah, he wants he to wants, make that fight and, happen. And, and for Izzy, like let's even talk about for Izzy, he probably wants fresh names, right? right. Um, and, you know, I think if you go back to the Alex Pereira, I cannot, I was thinking about this today. I feel like I remember because that was right off the tail. Like that whole him and Strickland's back and forth came from that press conference. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I remember Izzy saying he was praying, hoping that Strickland won. Yeah. In the same way that he's saying do play C. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I could remember though, but, you know, I, I'm sure, but I guess getting back to it is I feel like even for Izzy, he's probably dying for some yeah. fresh matchups as well. And he even said as much. Yeah. And it sucks too, though, for Strickland, though, because you do have a guy who's beat him recently, who's on a two fight win streak, who probably has a better, you know, in the division claim in Jared Cannonier. But having the win over Vittori recently and obviously, you know, but he's a little bit fresh off a title fight too. So Strickland does have a similar thing that Duplay C has in that he is fresh and that could get some that could be something to get Izzy's up 
is he up for it? But the problem is, I think there's too much personal stuff. Because, like, Sean Strickland talks like that to everybody. But the Duplessis stuff, I think, is a little bit more personal for Izzy. So it'll be hard if du- if Duplessis wins for Izzy to not campaign for that a little bit more. But something that we we talked about actually just a couple weeks ago was it well is this australia card in september right yeah. and and does the ufc um knowing that they're going do you do a sure thing you know we all know the winner of duplacy whitaker is pretty much next right? right um but there is a question of injuries and so many different, and can they turn around that fights in this well this week so yeah. can they turn around in about two months time for that september card now I think Duplessis Whitaker, I've said this many times, but given the opportunity, they will do everything they can to be in that fight if Mm -hmm. they can, but they can't control everything and outcomes and injuries and different things like that. So that's why we said, if you're the UFC, do you just book a sure thing right now? Izzy's an active dude. He fights in September. He's definitely coming back in November, December. And then you could do, you know, Whitaker and Duplessis. So it's like, if there is a time to do it, if you are the UFC, you do have Cannoneer sitting there, right. obviously, who deserves it, but um, it would make some sense. They could do a sure thing with Strickland in September. Well, and having options isn't a problem. Like, is a ba- right. Isn't a bad problem, right. you know, especially when you can look at who's healthy or who will take X amount of money. Like, you know, that's how all this stuff right. goes. There's a lot of moving parts to it. So Strickland having the performance he did and then having, you know, the back and forth and a little parody with Izzy definitely gives him a chance to be, you know, one of those options but it is hard to say if they'll actually go with it well i I like what you said about you know the ufc it's not always about wins and losses in terms of who gets a title shot because i think also if i was the ufc now you know i said if it was me personally how i could kind of see the matchup and i I wouldn't mind seeing it but i think if i was the ufc i could talk myself in uh to sean strickland being next because of how serviceable he has been for the promotion love him or hate him he steps up into big spots and takes matchups that no other top 10 middleweight right. ever would. A point blank, never would. Um, I think you have to remember, Sean Strickland was on a six-fight win streak and ranked inside the top five when he fought Alex Pereira. Mm-hmm. He was literally one win away from a title shot, and he was willing to fight an unranked monster who was being fast-tracked to a title shot. I mean, that right there. I mean, the fact mm-hmm. that he was willing to take that fight, he, all he had to do was win that fight. He wins right. that fight, he would have got that fight with Izzy next. Um, then he loses the controversial decision to Cannoneer, split right. decision. It was a close fight. A lot of people still think Sean Strickland won that fight um i think i'm still okay with cannoneer winning but it was a close one so that was his next so he lost those two in a row but then turns around three weeks later steps in last minute to face this lower ranked french daggy guy who was all the rave in nazardini mavov right he was and he was going to run through strickland and strickland was crazy for stepping up last minute to face this dagestini Mm -hmm. french guy that's killing everybody right beats him um and now here we are again he's willing to risk his ranking and title aspirations to and, and i say title aspirations because Sean Strickland can say he doesn't care about titles. Sean Strickland cares about getting that title shot. Trust me. Um, But he risked all of that again to fight this unranked guy who, according to the UFC, nobody wanted to fight. Mm -hmm. Um, He doesn't say no to anybody. He steps up and saves events. That resume to me, especially with what we've seen before, that does yeah. warrant a title shot. He's 3-0 against Daggies. I've seen an 8-0 eight, eight I mean, against Europeans. <laughs> can, how many people can say that? Right. How uh, many people can say that in the UFC right now? I think your only pushback would come that when he's ran into 
the like top three caliber type of people, yeah. he doesn't show up. The Kamara Usmans, yeah. the Alex Pajadas, even well, Jared Cannon. You can't really hold the Usman over well, him because that was at welterweight. Right. He's, he wasn't a welterweight. And, and I guess when you, what I'm saying is when you look at his record and you look at the names. I had that written It's down. people that are just like, I don't know if he can yeah. get over that hump, which isn't anybody's you know you get matchups go a certain way if he beats jared cannoneer that might you know might be able to throw that a little bit out the window right um but you lose into alex pajeda you lost to jared cannoneer both guys who've both had title fights obviously pajeda mm-hmm. getting a win in that but i think maybe that's your only pullback because yeah. you know somebody like duplacy if he beats robert whitaker that's bigger than any win sure. that sean strickland's ever had and i totally agree with that and, and i did have that written down is the argument is going to be um he doesn't beat the top guys, right? Pereira, yeah. Since he's moved to welterweight, Pereira and um, uh, Cannoneer, I believe, are his only two losses. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't look great, right? Because he beats everybody else. He trains with Marvin Vittori. Right, you know. well, geez, you heard his pre-fight stuff this week. I don't know how friendly those two guys are or how much they're going to be moving forward. Well, so. that might be something that he can look at if he can't get this title fight. It may, may, I mean, dude, he'll fight anybody. Yeah. But, yeah, I just think when you look at some of these outside things with Sean Strickland, it's like – you really could see where, like, if the UFC announces tomorrow, hey, we're doing Strickland Izzy in September in Australia, everybody's going to boo-hoo about it. But I think when you look at things like six-fight win streak, willing to fight unranked Alex Pedeta, who was clearly, they were setting him up to mm-hmm. lose that fight, and he did lose. Right. Turns around and fights the scariest guy in the division, and Jared can't, well, I still say Alex Pedeta probably at that point, right. but one of the other scariest guys. Scariest guy available. Yeah, and Jared Cannonier <laughs> loses closely, close fight, but then turns around willing to fight Nazardini Mavov lower. I mean, you just when you start to look at willing right. to fight this guy, I mean, it's just like he does step up and it does deserve something. You right. know what I and mean? And there's another level and layer of if the UFC want to put him on a pay-per-view main event sure. and risk him messing up pay-per-view sales. I don't think they care. They can. Ugh. How many UFC fight nights has Sean Strickland main evented? And it's never... I mean, here's the thing. You do get some mainstream media that pop out of the woodworks like, I can't believe they're promoting this. But mm-hmm. it doesn't catch on. I mean, it may be a little different in a pay-per-view setting. Yeah, that's the only um, thing. And against a guy like Izzy, who's, you know, obviously a bigger name, bigger right. star, it's going to garnish more attention. But he's main evented several fight nights right. now, and nobody's had anything to say about it. Yeah. So. Well, and a lot of them... It, um, this is a good one, a good thing for him too. Is at the Apex too, yeah. where they're just kind of selling VIP tickets and not really se- trying to sell out venues. So yeah. I don't know how much that goes into it. I, but I'll be honest, man. Like I hate to, I don't even want to get into like political cancel culture stuff, but you can't cancel a guy like Sean Strickland who just doesn't give a damn. Like right. it's just impossible because you're never, you're not. And I think that's what it is. I he still just, don't know what he said in that post fight. Uh, which, so much of it got bleeped out oh, from last night. <laughs> from last yeah, night, yeah. I just know you said he wanted good old America, and then it got bleeped out. So I don't <laughs> know how crazy it got. Let's move to our co-main event. John Grant Dawson defeats Amir Damir Ismagulov via unanimous decision. Islam Makhachev, you are the goat, but I am your replacement. What a statement there by Grant Dawson that yeah. was in his post fight. I love that little quote there. Um, and let's talk about it, right? You know, Grant just absolutely dominated a guy in Ismagulov, who we believe to be one of the best lightweights in the mm-hmm. world, um, and did so in a more impressive fashion than another top lightweight in Armand Sarukian, who just fought Ismagulov last. I am blown away by yeah. Grant Dawson's ground. I mean, Sarukian kind of wrote the book a little bit on how to beat Ismagulov with the ground Jeez, game, man. but Dawson did it very much more in a much impressive way, very much more dominant. Because I said last week, I thought the grappling 
of Dawson would be the difference, and that's mm-hmm. exactly what we saw. Um, but one thing I did say I didn't expect was the ease at which he was able to take the fight down. Yeah. Uh, the takedowns much improved by Grant Dawson, I thought, um, and not just impressive takedowns, but then the ability to just control Ismagulov with that back mount is just so high level, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ismagulov never looked like he was going to get out of that once it was applied and locked in. Right. Um, you know, maybe you would have liked to see a finish in there, but Ismagulov has never been finished in mixed martial arts. Yeah. So that's a bit nitpicky, right? But to have that much back control, a guy like Grant Dawson, you would like to see him try to finish or kind of go maybe a little bit more urgency for it. But it's tough, too, because, like I said, when you look at who Ismagulov's fought, he's never been finished either. Um, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, we got a great American fighter to celebrate this 4th of July. Uh, yeah. who I think honestly has a really bright future. You guys can hear some celebrations going yeah, on. Yeah, we outside. got fireworks in the back, yeah. Uh yeah, no man, it's uh, like you said the the wrestling came easy. First full camp at ATT. Those level chains were crazy, um, man. Just even just hitting some angles where it's just like most people would be trying to counter strike yeah. here and he's grabbing a leg. I I do think that they, you know, you're on somebody's back for 12 minutes. Right. But here's my other pro- my only other problem with that strategy. And I know that's not everybody's favorite thing, but that's his fighting style. He's he likes the daggy stuff, like covering the legs with the wrestling, smothering people. He loves that back take, uh, the body triangle, yep. backpack stuff. The only thing about that is it just it's not the funnest thing to watch in it's terms not, of it, it's not, but it wins world right. titles. Because but the other side of that is. There's so uh, there's there's other submissions available. There's sure. other positions you can get in if you can control somebody there. Yeah. So that's the only thing you want to see is somebody who's trying to make you know an impact on getting up into the that upper echelons. Because as much as that was more impressive as far as controlling Demir than the Monsarukian. Armand Sarukin stood up and struck with him as well, and it was a little bit more of a back and forth. But in there. you know, I felt like I felt like Dawson when they did have the striking exchanges, he did win some of those striking exchanges. Yeah. I mean, he did have a couple nice counter shots and stuff. But I mean, like I think if you're a guy like Grant Dawson, and like I said, the level changes were just filth man and when you're having that kind of success why not go back to the well like i said it's a tough sport i'm not saying i'm the biggest proponent of just like holding guys i do think there were times when he was trying to seek a finish it's just again this guy yeah. demir ismagulov has never been finished and never been knocked out never been submitted so right it's it's a bit nitpicky i do agree with you 12 minutes at it you do want to see it more and there was because there was times where he was kind of just like locking up Ismagulov's arms like almost like a Nelson from the yeah. back and like kind of neck cranking and it's like that sucks and it is dominant but it's not really he's not going to tap right. him from that because so. like you, you you'd like to think that you know if you can get to there maybe you go for something different try to go to mount maybe right. try doing some but and this but this is what I will say to do 12 minutes of control time off three takedowns yeah. is very impressive so every time he got him down once he transitioned and got that back yeah. mount every it, round Ismagulov never looked like he was going to get some out some of those uh, not and the other thing I'll say is, and this is why I wish, and obviously he has a lot of finishes to his record. He, his last two fights have been, you know, submissions and stuff. But the ease of which some of those back takes went in, yeah, like before they even hit the mat, it's just different like level, he's, man. It's a different level. As he starts, and that's what I will say, he looks so much better in that aspect that as he starts getting more and more in with this team and keep improving, 
he can already control people. Yeah. Once you start adding in some more finishability, it gets a lot scarier. The striking is going to get better at top team. You, like I said, I think you saw yeah. examples of it. Clearly, the wrestling top team has some great wrestlers, including Bo Nickel. I don't know how much he's in the room with him, but mm-hmm. he's going to continue to get better in all aspects of mixed martial arts. He mentioned names like Tony Ferguson, Benil Dariush um, in his post-fight presser. However, Tony is booked, and I don't think a guy like Benny Dariush at this stage in his career is going to be looking that far back in the rankings for right. his next opponent. Dawson did say in his post-fight presser uh, that he will not fight any of his American top team teammates, Hanato Moicano, Mateusz Gamra, Armand Sarukian. And that's going to be really hard to ignore because <laughs> that's like Oof. three, like a quarter of like the guys ranked above him almost, yeah. right? Um, he could maybe fight a guy like Rafael Faiziv who's available, but I don't know, man. I don't even know if Faiziv's definitely are going to be really looking right. to reach that far back either. Um I'm definitely not a teammate should be willing to fight each other guy. Like right. I've never like really died on that hill. I respect it when fighters do it, but I'm not like you should do it. I think that's mm-hmm. a decision to be made between the gym. But in this case, man, when you're in this division and like I, those names I just said, like I don't know where else you go, buddy. Like, man, and it's I didn't even think about him and Gamera being teammates because I was literally just about to tee up. Imagine those scrambles. Yeah. Imagine that that wrestling chess match yeah. with them two. But you do have RDA ranked at number nine. He's at, he's at welterweight now. He well, went, he went it, back to welterweight. That's true. And he's he's fighting uh, Vincente Luque. Maybe you give him the winner of Turner and Hooker. They're both ranked above him. Could, yeah. I mean, that's about your best bet outside of a Fizeev or Chandler still needs a fight. I mean, like I said, I appreciate the call out. <laughs> I love the 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 Makachev, you're the GOAT, but I'm your replacement. Yeah. I love that stuff, but it's like, but then to go in your post fight and be like, I'm not going to fight. And, and I guess even if I'm going to say a team to do it, top team, we do see it a lot because it is such a big gym and a lot of different coaches, the, a lot of the fighters use different coaches there. It's, you can kind of have your own private training camp out of that facility. But probably when you're fresh there, the last thing you want to do is start calling out your teammates. Yeah. And he said he trains with all those guys and, and, yeah. and it's like, I get it. I'm not like a, you should be willing to do that, but man, it's going to be tough to move up in hey, this division with, if, he, if he's willing to fight somebody who's no, obviously Demir was 12, but him and Matt Frivola, man. I mean, I, he doesn't really seem like he wants to stick around there. But saying that name, with it being the Fourth of July, uh, let me throw a couple names at you: Dustin okay. Poirier, Justin Gaethje, Benil Dariush, Michael Chandler, Jalen Turner, Matt Frivola, Grant Dawson. Those are the seven American fighters ranked in the top fifteen of the UFC lightweight division right now. Mm. Out of those seven, which do you think is most likely? To become the next lightweight champion. Mm. Like if I was going to give you a million dollars. If you could correctly predict the next UFC lightweight champion. American. Out right. of those seven. Which of you guys. Which of those guys do you think get it done. And I'll I'll throw this in as well. I will give you the, the option uh, of none. None of mm. them. If you want that route. You know what. I might take the field in that. Only because I just don't like if if it. Like, so you a, think the next lightweight American champion? Uh, we don't know yet. He, I, I mean, it could very well be Charles. Uh, sorry, let me. Okay, so like, let me rephrase the question. I'm not meaning the next. Oh, I'm just meaning. So like, if I if I take the field, then there won't ever be another American. I'm just saying. No, no, no. I'm saying out of out, these guys, out of out of these seven American fighters, which of them do you think will? could be the next lightweight champion. If you had to pick one to go in right now and fight Islam Akhachev and be him. Honestly, I only have two names and they're not the top. Or even, or say like even if uh, Oliveira 
beats Islam. I'm just saying, like, do of these seven, who right. is more like most likely for you to be a lightweight champion? For me, I'm split between Jalen Turner and Grant Dawson. Really? For the X factors that, that far they back. for the so X factors that they bring. So you're skipping Poye, Gaethje, Dariush, and Chandler. Yes, because I don't. I think we've seen because I don't know if any of them four can beat Charles or Islam on on a on a, even on their best day. Mm-hmm. It's a tough matchup, but I do think that Jalen Turner brings something that none of those guys bring in his size, in his frame. We'll get into it. I guess this is a little preview for the kickback. Um, and Grant think- Dawson's wrestling. I mean, seeing this improvement in his wrestling and in his striking, yeah. he provides something that's very similar to some of those top guys that can you know he could be a little bit. Equatable to. I think if you look at these seven, I think on paper, you know, Jalen Turner has all the tangibles to be a potentially out of these seven. If one of them was going to go on to be champion, him, the fact he can make 155 pounds is insane. That's the number one thing. Yeah, his stature, (laughs) his build is crazy. He should be, he could be a middleweight probably. Um, He's got phenomenal grappling, he has one punch knockout power. And and I like I said, this is a little bit of a preview for the kickback. I wanna, yeah, I want to dive into it a little bit more late later, so we won't right. go into it. But this is a big fight for Jalen Turner yeah. because all of that said for Jalen Turner, there's I we've watched this sport now for like I think I'm like 16 years now. I've been a fan of this sport. I'm mm-hmm. not saying I can. We'll get to Ismagulov and Kutatiladze. I don't necessarily have the best eye for who I think could be the best. You know right? I'm saying? Right. So, but there seems to be something with Jalen Turner that I just don't know if he's got that it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that one little thing that I can't really explain. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see him here in a big fight against Hooker. I think on paper he has all the attributes yeah, to be a world saying. champion, but it's like, can he string it all together um, and go out and prove that he's one of the best lightweights in the world? I don't know. Um I don't know if I'd go that far back, man. I'm surprised you're skipping Poye and Dariush. Those well, are the two that I think could be a fight because I think they're the closest. Yeah. In terms, you know, now again, you know, we're talking Turner could win it in seven years. Maybe no American right. wins it for seven years. So if that's what you think, that's fine. But I don't know, man. I kind of. I man, I don't know. This, See, this is my problem. I don't know that Benny gets it done at this because point. I don't know if, like I said, I don't think any of those guys could beat Charles and Islam. Like it, I still it, think it, Poirier can. I don't know what it is, man. But the problem is, is the way he wins doesn't work against Oliveira. Like he gave Oliveira all his punches yeah. and he got choked out. Islam doesn't even get hit like that. There's a chance he has a puncher's chance, and we've seen Islam get hit a couple times, but we haven't. I mean, even the Volkanovski fight made that like Volkanovski is the best pound for pound fighter in the world yeah. as as voted, and he was able to you know get through him. Yeah. So it's hard for me to say any of these guys, but to imagine these guys facing a guy who's so big like Jalen Turner or if it's a little bit further down the road and somebody like Grant Dawson keeps evolving like this, that's kind of where I feel. But I feel like some of these guys like Poirier, Gaethje, Chandler, they could retire in two years. Well, that's what I'm saying. They've been fighting for so long. And I think – so that's what it's tough because it's like if you said like today of these seven guys, which one will probably or could win most likely to win a world title next – It'd be hard for me not to say Dustin Poirier just because I think I mean obviously he's the closest right yeah. now, right? He's literally like a fight away from it. He beats Gaethje. He's probably gonna get uh Islam or mm-hmm. some or again or something. Um or no, he's never fought Islam. I'm tripping. No. He's fought Habib. He's probably gonna get Islam if he wins. Um and I think he could beat Islam, man. I genuinely do. It's but tough because he's always fumbled. Right, he has in that except so for the you, max um um vacant or, yeah, or interim, the interim title. You do so then you do question for a guy like Poirier, like can he get over that hump? 
I do think of Chandler, Darius, Gaethje, Poirier. If, if Dustin doesn't do it, we probably are looking at like a Turner, Dawson. Um, I don't know if I have Frivola's just got that crazy power. Yeah. But past that, man, it may be somebody that's not even in the UFC yet. Right. <laughs> so. I mean, and, and it could be somebody who comes down. It could be somebody who comes up. Like, yeah. I mean, if Aljamain comes up, Max would throw his name in there. You know what I'm he, saying? Like if Max came down to, or went up to lightweight, you know, he'd instantly throw He'd probably be one that, considering, you'd have to consider how he does it if he does it the right way. You know? Right. Yeah, you just never know how, you know, some of these guys are going to be as far as going up or down. But out of that list, I just don't know how I feel about these guys' chances because because of the run Charles Oliveira's went on, I know I, I know I, what he's done things. And, and if, even with Darush, if he gets a matchup with Islam, I don't think Islam's going to be able to strike the way that Charles was. So there is that opportunity, but how does he get back to it? I still think Dustin Poirier could beat Islam Makhachev. Yeah. I still think he I think he could still beat Charles Oliveira as well. Yeah. I it, really do. It's just tough because, we, like I said, we've seen him fumble yeah. it so many times great showing by michael morales who defeated max griffin via unanimous decision 24 years old man uh yeah. he moves to 15 and 0 um this was just a massive win for him this early into his career he's solid crazy man i have a ton of respect for max griffin and his skill set he isn't an easy out for anybody super tough great striking really good wrestling he's really well-rounded um and morales just handled it like a pro man he lose and he looked great doing it he started getting comfortable and it, that's when it started getting fun when he yeah. starts swagging a little bit, dancing, moving around. Yeah. And he's just huge, man. He's just like a real solid built, man. I'm excited to see how he keeps going. And yeah. That division is getting tougher and tougher the more these guys work their way up. I, I genuinely think he has a very high ceiling. Uh, I'm really, really high on it, man. I, mm -hmm. I really, I felt even after his first couple, I'm like, okay, this, on um, the Contender Series, when he won on there, I'm like, this kid is different, man. Yeah. Next fight, Renat Fakhradinov. Defeats Kevin Lee via first round guillotine. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, this this was impressive. Uh, Renat lands a massive right hand, sent Kevin Lee straight to the mat. And Lee, I'm guessing off all, all instincts, tried to grab the single leg and kind of work a wrestle up. But I think he was all but out at that point, to right. be honest. Renat grabs the guillotine, puts Lee out. That's now 20 fights unbeaten in his career. He's 3-0 in the UFC. Uh, man, you know, again, not to continue the contradictions, but I feel like this guy may need a big name next, yeah, right? Lose like, one, <laughs> and I ain't going back to that. I mean, it's just, it's tough, man, to do that against a guy like um, Kevin, Kevin Lee, Lee yeah. was just really uh, impressive. Um, and you were kind of privy to this uh, Renat Fox, let me say it's, Fakrat Dinov, I think. Yeah. Fakrat Dinov. I'm going to have to learn that name, man, because he's yeah. he's a problem. Yeah. Um, but you were kind of privy to Renat. Um, you said you had seen some social media content with some whistleblowers, we'll yeah. call them, trying to tell everybody like Kevin Lee was going to get worked in this right. fight. Um, and uh, I've kind of seen a lot of people today putting some UFC like conspiracy theories out there that they knew exactly what they were doing and kind of fed Kevin Lee to the dog here. Um, and I I will be honest. I think that I think it's a little bit of some more like Monday morning quarterbacking a little. Like, oh, yeah. I think it's kind of easy to say that like now um, kind of like our main event, but it does make you wonder, you know, Kevin Lee only has won two of his last nine fights. Mm -hmm. So giving him a guy who's shown flashes of potential and has won 21 straight fights in his career is a bit interesting because you can, and, and 
I think I said this to Brandon, but it's like, or maybe I said it last week on the show, but it's like, you can question, like for a guy like Habib, right, who came into the UFC at like 19 and 0, you can Mm -hmm. question his 19 prior opponents coming in, right? But sitting here today, does anybody question, like, he turned out to be one of the greatest to ever do it. So it's like, it didn't really matter the quality. It's not like it affected or like tarnished his potential like mm-hmm. no we found out really quick it, he's the real deal right um so 21 straight in your career i don't care if you're fighting that's impressive uh plus this fight was on the prelims like just yeah. like he wasn't even on the main card not against a bigger name you know renat fakhradinov you know not the biggest name here um so at least for now this win this loss doesn't look great on kevin lee's record now it may age well but not ideal here in the present yeah. um and kevin lee always been outspoken right and the mm-hmm. guy i mean even as recent as this week he was very critical of the ufc still fighting in the apex saying you know the pandemic's over like why are we here um so i can see i'll say a bit i do think it's a little bit of some like it, it's easy to say that now that they kind of set him up here but I, I can see where maybe people think this was a bit of a trap fight for a guy like kevin lee but again it, he had to agree to the fight as well well and not extent. only that it, i felt like when he was coming back, it was, I want the title. Like, I, I don't think he was coming back no, yeah, to he, just be a run-of-the-mill sure. guy. And I feel like he was calling out some big names yeah. um, coming in. So, and, you know, if you're if you're calling out anybody who's close to contention, you got to be able to beat this yeah. guy, you know. So it, it's part of it. Now, what I will say is sometimes you watch these fights with guys and it feels like it, the term they use a lot is buzzsaw. Mm. But you just run into something that's just like it's on a yeah. hundred way before you. It's like a treadmill. It's on the highest level and you're trying to jump on it. And that's right. what it looked like for this fight for Kevin Lee. The first like two kicks was just like, whoa, hold on, dude. They're yeah. only 30 seconds in. And then that right hand just left him with nothing left. So yeah. I think that, um, I mean, he definitely ran into a buzzsaw. But yeah. he was asking, you know, he, he's got good wins. He's you know obviously been a contender before. So it's one of those things you don't come back to the UFC unless you're ready for the who's who. I mean, because there's not easy fights in the UFC. Even the who knows. Fakhrat Dino. Right. Stand up. I mean, that this dude is, I'm really, really excited to see what they do with him I'm, next. I think I'm going to refer to him as fuck you mean from <laughs> now on. Fakhrat Dino. I need to get that name right. Yeah. Uh, but I think this does make me wonder, like, what is the future for Kevin Lee now? Because I think mm-hmm. there's kind of two questions I have for him after this loss. One, is his next fight in the UFC? And two, are there still matchups for him? Good matchups. You know, I think Kevin will forever, for me at least, be remembered as the man without a division. You know, it's kind yeah. of been the story of his career. A little bit too big for lightweight, maybe a little undersized for welterweight. Uh, he is probably the best case study for the need of a 165-pound weight right. division, right? Uh, but, man, when you look at the top 15 of this welterweight division, I just don't see where he competes when you guys got guys like Jack Della Maddalena and Ian Gary ranked at the bottom of it. Like, that's who you have yeah. to be just to get in there, right? Um, sure, there's guys like, you know, Matt Brown and Brian Barberina, um, but do you think that's really where Kevin Lee wants to be in his career? Like, is he willing to throw down in this kind of secret legends division that we've talked about that kind of exists at 170 pounds? Mm-hmm. Or would a guy like Kevin Lee, you know, if given the opportunity, be better suited to maybe go find new challenges in another promotion like PFL or Bellator? Because he did have the one fight out of the UFC in the Eagle FC against Diego. Because he, he lost like three in a row in the UFC, gets cut, go beats Diego in Eagle FC. Now he's back in the UFC seen it wasn't didn't work out for him um and i just don't know man if if a guy like him losing to an unranked guy 
I'm sure his thought was, I'm going to beat this guy. My next fight's going to be against a top 15 opponent, which probably would have been true. Mm -hmm. But now it's like, are you willing to go? Because now you're probably looking at like a Brian Barbarino or like Mm -hmm. maybe a Kevin Holland at best. That's like best case scenario for him at this point. Yeah. I mean, it'll just depend on what he's comfortable with. If he's comfortable with a guy that they can send other people who they think could be good at. And I just don't think he is, man. I think Kevin Hall, because like you said, I think he still wants to be... I think he wants to compete at the top. But the problem, though, too, is, though, when you have a performance like that, yeah. trying to, you know, um, it's, it's pitch yourself to yeah. other leagues are going to be like, well, you're not a draw. You're the guy who just got beat by the, yeah. you know, the name that people didn't even and know. And it happened so fast, man, that it's so tough to judge him off of it. Like, he genuinely just got cracked, right? And like right. you said, he just kind of ran into a buzzsaw. So it's like, I would have loved to have seen him get three more rounds. That's where I do understand people's thoughts of, like, it. it is a bit dicey because, mm-hmm. like, he has only won two in his last nine fights, and you give him a guy on a 20-fight win streak, like, we probably weren't going to ever see much of a fight, right? right? So, I don't, I don't know. It, but I just don't know for... I mean, is his next fight even in the UFC? Well, with I him signing know. a contract with him... That doesn't matter. I, no, for sure. But They can break it at any time. Right, but what I'm saying is, what I would say is you give him another shot because he still is a name. So, he, even if you do keep him on a, on a prelim, it's a name people know to an extent. Right. So, give him another shot. And if it, you, he runs into another buzzsaw like that, oh, this guy doesn't have it. But we've seen guys make turnarounds yeah, after know. having a rough showing. So It's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. yeah. Do you think, if you had to say it right now, is his next fight in the UFC? I would say yes. You think it because is? they're doing so many cards. They, do they need, need names. Man. Name. That's a good point, too. Um, I do want to touch on... Uh, like I'll, I'll kind of lump these last three results into one here. Uh, Benoit Saint Denis defeating Ishmael Bonfim via first round submission. Uh, Ruzi Boyev, def- I think I'm saying that right. I hope I am. I'm not even going to attempt his first name. I uh, think it is Ruzi Boyev. Ruzi Boyev defeats Bruno Fajeda via first round TKO, and then Elvis Brenner defeating Guram Kutataladze via third round TKO. Um, and John, you brought up a great point. We were talking about uh, that with these three results Mm -hmm. um and i think you said something to the extent of if someone asked us to do like a five fight parlay for this card bonefim fajeda and kunta taladze would all probably have been the first three names on that ticket thousand percent (laughs) and i think that just speaks to how unpredictable again this sport is take them on the money line and maybe take a chance if you move up if you like strickland or something or, or a boost but yeah that's well, and, and Bonefim and Fajeda would have been more of, you know, kind of intuition picks based off of their debut, debut right. performances, especially Fajeda to beat a guy like Robocop and knock him out. But I think what we learned about Fajeda is, dude, just a banger. He's either going to go out or put somebody out. Um, but sitting here today and talking about a Guram loss in this fight to me is just wild. Um, and when you look at the fight itself, he was running away with it. He was up two rounds. I think I saw one judge gave him a 10-8 round in that second round. He was kind of even having success early in that third round. He just got caught with a short left hook, and it was kind of weird. It was really delayed, a little bit scary. Well, I, f- I felt like he was fading by, like the, by the top of the, And it was short notice. Elvis Brenner, credit to Brenner, man. He landed some nasty body shots that I think Bro, really slowed Not only down. that, his grappling, the yeah. wrestling, being able to get those takedowns, and as much... and. And he trains with Charles, and you can see it because he was getting cracked, and he was right there. Yeah, he didn't fade away. Like even when he like fall back a little bit, he get right back in the line of fire. Blonde hair turned red real quick from yeah. some elbows. Yeah, but like even like that that first round, 
you know, Guram had to turn it on at the last few seconds because he was struggling a little yeah. bit with how that was going. But yeah, that that knockout was just one of those weird ones, yeah. like a Shane Burgos, where it's like his body gave up on him or something. Yeah, he might be the Brazilian zombie. I uh, can confirm as well. He is the first nominee for comeback win of the year because oh. I mean, being getting beat up like that and then catching a knockout was just impressive. Uh, but. I thought this was funny, and this is how we're going to leave this card. If you go back to the episode after Guram and Ismagulov fought each other, um, obviously Ismagulov narrowly won that fight. Um, I actually, funny, I, I screen recorded it, but I just couldn't really get like a good clip on the fly put together because I had the idea too late. But we were going nuts. We're like, these two are going to, because I think I even compared it to like, this is going to be like Islam and Leon. You're going to almost forget that they have fought before because they're right. both going to be fighting for a world title one day. And we're going to be like, oh, I forgot. You know, we're just like, this was so high level. These guys are net Guram and Ismagulov. They both elevate, throw them both in the top 15. Like we were going nuts, right? <laughs> right. But if I told you then that these guys would have, first off, only have three fights between them. Right at this point and that neither one of them has won a fight since that fight you'd think i was crazy yeah and here we are today and that's the reality is ismagulov's had two fights since that fight he's lost both guram's only had this one and he's lost they're over three yeah Mac and man matchups make fight and this is the ufc crazy, man crazy you're, you're not gonna get a gimme and like i said like you said with the whole betting thing if i was to put money on one thing it's Guram getting a last oh. minute opponent and you got him low, like oh, yeah. he's got this. But Elvis Brenner, man, keep an eye out because that guy doesn't have a lot of holes. He was able to stay, you know, stay in the fight and then to be able to pounce and finish somebody like Guram, who is hard. We've seen him fight, yeah. you know, even like with the Demir, but. Yeah, matchups make fights, and you know people take advantage of their opportunities. Because I can say, as as somebody that picks fights every single week on this podcast, this is just one of those cards that humbles you and just reminds you that you know nothing, John Dude, Snow. If <laughs> like, this, imagine this. Imagine if we were picking like the whole card, and you yeah. didn't even have like the main event. We probably Crazy. all would have lost everything. Yeah. I mean, you pick Grant Dawson the Coma, but even take both of those yeah. out. If we were to pick for the rest of these, you know, there's a good chance we get one out of uh, seven. Yeah, it would have been a rough night. John, speaking of scores, I'm still at top with 55. I think I got one. No, I might have got two for. I don't know what I got for Dawson. I think I got one for Dawson. You're in second with 44. You're 11 points off me. Brandon caught up to you. He's at 42. So Brandon's just two points off of you. So I do want to say for the record, I was way nicer than you would have been to me if Strickland would have got submitted. I just wanted to say that out loud. Oh no, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, I think you're I'm gonna, just in a good mood, man. That 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 was your chance to really go for it and you, you kinda you didn't take it, man. Just in a good mood. I even know, I even teed you up. I was gonna let you do it and you just didn't yeah, do it. I think got the animosity in me right now. Going on the news. If you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. <laughs> Henry Cejudo announced that he will be out of his UFC 292 fight against Marlon Chito Vera after an MRI showed a tear in his right shoulder that will require six to eight weeks of rehab. As of now, Chito does not have a replacement opponent, but he has been calling for Peter Yan to step in and fight him. Did you see, um, I saw a clip actually just today, uh, and it was... Uh, Cejudo doing one of his breakdowns on his YouTube and he was talking about I think he was talking about how Yair does this ground yeah. and pound and he's like he's like throwing these like little air ground and pound and he's like oh my shoulder dang I think I just threw my shoulder yeah. out somebody was like no way this is what took him yeah, out yeah I've seen that on Twitter too <laughs> like it's oh, and then man. obviously Al Jermaine had his comments about how people that sucks man that first oh, off dude. like that fight like I was so hyped for Cejudo 
Cheeto and oh man, that sucks. I hate when that happens. And dude. for somebody like Cejudo, who's just got back in, we weren't even sure if he was going to stay. Like, who knows what happens? Yeah, the after fact this. he was willing to stay active and fight yeah. a guy like Cheeto, like yes, please. Yeah, and so now who knows what? Hopefully, somebody steps in for Cheeto because that means like we, you know, one thing we said, and I and I think this Cheeto fight showed it is after that fight, we all agreed that if Henry, if his next fight wasn't for a title, it was going to have to be against somebody that gets him right back to the title with a win. He took Cheeto, which credit to Henry, because that's such a scary fight just to try to get back, right? right. That also tells you that with a win, Cheeto could have gotten right back to a title shot right. for, for a guy coming off a loss. would have been huge for Cheeto as well. So yeah. just really, I hate that, man. And then the matchup would have been so fun. Yeah, but. so hopefully they find a way to keep Cheeto on the card because that's, I mean, it's still a, a great card. I'd rather him just move it back like they did Benny and Dar, uh, yeah. Oliveira, honestly. If he's point. willing to wait. But what becomes interesting is if Marab becomes available right. by the time Henry's sure. healthy, that's probably a way easier Could shot be. to the title. Could be for the title, depending on, because Aljo's going up. Uh, also out of a fight coming up, Sean Brady is out of his welterweight fight that was scheduled for UFC 290 against Jack Della Maddalena. Shortly after the cancellation, Kevin Holland put on social media that he'd be willing to step in and fight Maddalena and still fight his scheduled opponent, Michael Chiesa. Like three weeks later, two yeah. weeks later. He said, like, let's do them both at 175. Yeah. I can make it happen. But that won't be necessary as Jack will be welcoming in Josiah Harrell into the UFC instead. I'm glad he got to stay on. I know with those guys who, especially guys who had to travel so far, sure. I mean, you put in all this time, who knows if, you know, you could. Yeah, because he's watching the Fight Pass Invitational. He's already in Vegas. Right. Yeah. So they're, they're already probably on visas and stuff like that. So yeah. I'm glad somebody was able to step in for that. Would have been cool to see Holland fight two people in three weeks, but hey. Yeah, I looked that Harrell up. He's, uh, I think he's like 7-0. and Um I don't know. He's got. He's all of his wins are finished. Uh, I think three submission, two knockout, or vice versa. Mm -hmm. um, but he has fought some like two and five guys. Yeah. And stuff. So you just when guys are coming off like the re, which he's coming from the LFA, I think. But you know when guys are kind of mainly coming off the regional scene, it's just it's always a tough read. Well, and it sucks for Jack because this would have been a good chance for him to yeah. really put because. People who are in the know know, yeah. but people who are still looking to say who's going to be the next, you know, challenger. But man, you know, like Sarukian last week, if yeah, going, it's all about the performance. If he goes out and adds one to his highlight reel, like nobody's yeah. going to care. That's true. Um, next we have taking place September sixteenth, uh, fight night card. I'm, I believe that's the Garasso yes, Shevchenko, Shevchenko card. Yeah, the Mexican um, Independence. Yeah, we have a huge welterweight fight yeah, between the division returnee Kelvin Gastelum and the guy no one wants any part of, Shavkat Rachmanov. Yeah. Big time. That one's massive. I mean, Kelvin. Massive. Yeah. Quit fighting the killers, Why man. Why are you doing this yourself? People love seeing you fight, but I Lord. think it's a winnable fight for him, though, man. You know, I, I, I don't. I don't think he's he's exactly out of it. He's he's a dog, you know. It's just you gotta see what that cut looks like. That's what scares me, man. We just lately we just have not seen guys and girls going down in weight have much success. We'll see. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be interesting, but man, he's got a test. Yeah, <laughs> and some additional Rachmanov news. His sister Sora Rachmanova. I think they put an A at the end. I don't know if it's different. It might be just because it's a girl. Yeah, it might be like AO. Type uh, who's four and one is getting a fight on the contender series in hopes of earning a UFC contract. Yeah. So and she might, looks just like. Yeah, him. there might be two boogie uh, Rachmanovs yeah. in yeah. the in the UFC. Yeah. Uh, lastly, the UFC Fight Pass Invitational Four. There were some good matches headlined by Craig Jones and Philippe Pena, uh, which Jones won by overtime. Um, was it escape time? Yeah, control time, escape time. Um, yeah. In the co-main, it's EBI overtime. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, in the co-main, former UFC champion Glover Teixeira defeated former opponent Anthony Smith by decision. Nikki Rodriguez defeated three men, including Big Dan Monsu Monasway in the finals to win the 30K in the Absolute Tournament. Mm-hmm. Also on the card, Nicholas Marigali defeated Cyborg Abreu, and RBY <laughs> went to a draw with Alex Perez. Yeah, that it was fun, man. It it was great. I I felt I I hated the the Craig Jones Pena. I just don't like man when like I do like EBI overtime. Mm-hmm. I I kind of am like kind of starting to think it is the best. Like in terms of like I don't like judges. Like you know who's number one does judges. Like one FC does judges, and I just think that's that's almost tougher. Jiu-jitsu to me just seems almost tougher to judge than mixed martial arts is. Um, So I do like the EBI overtime, but what I don't like is I feel like when you get in these like high stakes matches, like a Craig Jones versus Philippe Pena, they're just the, the match itself, the 10 minute match or 15, whatever it was, I think it was 15. It's just them basically trying to get to EBI. Just posturing, saving some energy. Exactly. And so that always sucks. I feel like that's the only thing that the EBI brings is it does kind of suck for the match. Because then it's like, well, if that was the case, like, I mean, I guess there is the aspect of getting tired in that time limit. But it's like, let's just bring him out and just do EBI from the start then. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just, it does kind of suck, you know. But, you know, then again, I don't. I don't know. Well, what's interesting about that is because I didn't see this, but I did watch the B team build up stuff on yeah. YouTube, and Craig seemed to f- came to feel like that Pena was going to be so aggressive that it was going to be good for him, like mm. in the match, like oh, you know, he's going to be aggressive, he's going to be going for stuff. We've seen him be more offensive instead yeah. of defensive, and obviously, well, they have the get down rule at that fight pass, so like I, I think it's like if if they're standing for longer than like a minute or something, mm-hmm. the ref can flip a coin and. One of them chooses to go down, up and down. But even when they were doing that, like, they were both essentially just standing right back up. Like, they, there was just no urgency to, you know, now. But but I do think, like, Nikki Rod and Dan Montessori, like, that had EBI overtime. That was a great match. Nikki Rod passing, getting to side. Like, the, he was trying, you know, mm-hmm. and then to get the finish there at the end with the choke and stuff. So, that was a fun one. Um, Big Dan with that knee bar, though. Our, yeah, that was crazy. Oof. That was nasty in the second round. Um, that, that dude's ACL is probably gone. Oof, um, yeah. And then you had uh, RBY. That was fun with Mm -hmm. Alex Perez, dude. You know, he doesn't, maybe not the technical, he kind of went for a triangle at the end, and he Mm kind of triangled his legs the wrong way. Um, But just the fact that he tried it was fun. But, man, just seeing him kind of, like, just be who he is, Mm -hmm. what is as a wrestler, but doing it in jiu-jitsu was just just the crazy funky stuff and movements and stuff was really cool. Um, And then Marigali and Cyborg. Yeah. um, Man, I'm trying to really remember what, from that match. It was a good match if I remember, but Marigali's just probably buying far pound for pound, probably one of the best grapplers right, right. now. He's just so good. Um, but yeah. So. How'd you feel about Nikki Rod's comments about Gordon? Afterwards? Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that. I forgot. Yeah. So afterwards, you know, obviously Nikki Rod called out Gordon Ryan. Um, he said, let's do a match. Um, but the only thing is they have to do USADA testing before and after. Um, and then Gordon went into his, response at the post fight presser and just kind of said like you're a brown belt i'm a black belt you don't Mm -hmm. get to make the rules and steroids aren't illegal in jujitsu which i mean he does have a point there i suppose so what's the point of usada he also said he has a contract that he is sending to nikki rod where um and he's like let's see if he signs it where essentially um they're he's going to send him one and they're both going to have to do usada testing i think in a year 
leading up to ADCC. Mm-hmm. So he was kind of. I thought it said that only he that Nikki was going to be the one tested because he's the one saying he's natural. So I thought oh, he said maybe. that. Hey, he said maybe the I contract I sent you is you get tested for a year into okay. it. I'm gonna still do my thing because I'm the king and I make the rules essentially. And, and maybe I misunderstood. Maybe it was just for Nikki to do yeah. it. Which um, the whole like, dude, steroids are aren't illegal in jujitsu. Is like, dude, that's why I do them. Yeah, no, I mean he he's never really denied it. I mean, yeah, because that the picture of him sick and then two weeks later seeing him now. Yeah, he's yeah, it's. He's pretty beefy. But I will say the storyline that they're building between him and Nikki Rod is is really fun, I hey, think. Hey man, if if somebody can uh if somebody can put up the money, especially I mean, after that last match where he let his foot get yeah, broke he, to he definitely popped his to win. Yeah, that like, was and that was EBI overtime as well. So, and man, Nikki just looked so dominant in that EBI overtime on with the back mount and stuff. I I couldn't imagine having that guy on your back. Good luck. Yeah. Good so. luck. Yeah. It was fun though. I I really thoroughly and I love that they mix in the UFC guys. You know, mm-hmm. Glover and Anthony Smith wasn't the funnest thing to watch, but it was just kind of fun because it's two, you know, UFC right. guys and obviously their fight um and then was fun and then well Glover kind of beat the dog shit out of him yeah. but, but uh uh but then you know just to see him and then for a guy like glover who's retired and what he had to go through did you hear about that Mm-mm. so flights out in new york have been like canceled or delayed and, and like we me and ash actually know somebody that got caught up in that too out mm-hmm. of new york so he was supposed to fly from new york to vegas mm-hmm. um for this fight pass invitational well for like two days his flights kept getting delayed so finally it was like ufc's like man like you know they're like we just can't get you out of new york this dude got a rental car and drove from new york to jacksonville florida just to take a flight to las vegas and like made it like day of the event like like morning of the event or something There wasn't like a place in between he didn't even do like weigh-ins the night before right he he didn't get in until like the day of the event. Those Brazilian <laughs> dudes jujitsu are different, though. For a fight pass, yeah. for a jujitsu match, I love it, dude. I yeah. absolutely. I would love, love it. <laughs> you know, as as much as we hate to see some of these older guys like fight too long. Yeah, I would love to see some of them just do stuff like this. Yeah, where it's, it's fun. like it's fun. You get some matchups that maybe you couldn't have got. And, yeah. yeah, well, and just when you take the MMA and just see guys pure grappling abilities, because even seeing like Glover and, and Anthony Smith, who Anthony Smith as well is a very high level grappler mm-hmm. in MMA, and he's a good grappler, but like you see him them do a match and then you watch like uh you know Penna and Craig Jones and you just see the levels yeah. and just pure jujitsu is just so different. I will say on the <laughs> behind the scenes stuff with the B team, we got to see there do like the fighter meeting for the yeah. um thing. It seems like the UFC is gonna go really big Saw on that. trying to really push grappling and not even just UFC Endeavor, the yeah. actual the parent company is really invested and thinks it's gonna be a huge thing. So that's huge for the jujitsu world. You know, I think I had I had I had this conversation with you or somebody a couple of weeks ago, and I had this like thought about jujitsu because everybody always says the reason why like competitive grappling and jujitsu will never make it is because they don't have fans that are just fans of the sport. Like the people that watch jujitsu do jujitsu. Right. Fair enough. I do agree with that. But you know what I thought? That's exactly what golf is. Yeah. Nobody watches golf that doesn't actually golf. Mm-hmm. I've never met one person that's like, yeah, I just like watching golf, but I don't actually I like go suspense. play. Yeah, nobody that watches golf. And golf's massive. Yeah. World, like all over yeah. the world. Golf is a huge sport. But you also have to think, golf is hundreds of years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, as a sport. Like right. people have been golfing for like ever. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's just going to take some time. But I right. do think jujitsu is going to get there. And I think UFC being willing to throw a lot of money behind it and give 30000 cash prize, you know, I think they're saying they're doing like two or three more events this year. So yeah, yeah, but but I do think. 
golf is a good example of a mm-hmm. sport that is kind of like I guess I'll call it like a hobbyist sport that but right. it is done professionally but has a massive fan base because a lot of people just play the sport. So I don't think you or a jujitsu necessarily has to have a fan base that doesn't do jujitsu. Right. That you know, I don't think that's the argument because, like, obviously, people watch football that don't play football. But or the Olympics, right? Or the Olympics, yeah. Like, who doesn't watch? How many you? people have done gone curling? Yeah. How much swimming do you watch year yeah. round? But if if Katie Ledecky's in the pool, yeah. boy, I'm turning. Yeah, you're watching. <laughs> like, come on, man. So I do, I do, but I do think that uh, it can get big and it will get big. It's just going to continue to take time and just more people doing yeah. it. And we're seeing it, dude. Fuck Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds has a blue belt. Yeah. That's crazy. You got one more stripe than him, so you're going to have <laughs> to step go. it up. He's going to have to hold you're gonna have to hold him to it. I got Song of the Week, John, and I'm going DeRoe Ice Cream Paint Ooh, Job. that's a good one. I was thinking today, is that like one of the greatest opening lines in a song ever? Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Rolling like, like a big yeah. Chevy tuned up like a NASCAR pit. Because here's it's the thing. Up there. Bro, if that, you can play that anywhere and the whole everybody around's gonna turn up as soon yeah. as the beat hits, like it drops. I was like, it's just one of those ones. Yeah, it's no, just one it's, of those ones. <laughs> it's definitely one of those like. Yeah, buddy. If it, like you know, we talk about sometimes we'll question like, would you rather have one person's career or another, and would you yeah. rather have just that song or right. have like you know Millie Vanilli's career or right. something? It's like, give me yeah, buddy. And I knew like, oh, dude, it's Fourth of July. You should. Is there anything more American than Ice Cream Paint Job by Drill? Like I said, you can play that yeah. anywhere in the world. I'll stand up and salute a flag <laughs> know, to that, right? Dude. Absolutely. John, what is your one for the people? Uh, my one for the people is I got engaged this weekend. So I proposed to my girlfriend. I, I fumbled. So I had in my notes. Okay, yes, absolutely. And first off, congratulations. Appreciate it. Appreciate so it. I had it in my notes at the beginning. If, when you go back and listen, you're going to hear me fumble bad. Because as I was reading it, my goal was to talk, to ask you before and make sure right. you were cool with me bringing it up. Because I didn't know if you wanted to talk about it. And then I didn't. So I was like, well, hope he might bring it up at the at the end. But yeah. I didn't want to say it if you didn't want to yeah, talk no, about it. Yeah, so. um, no. It was was really nice you guys gave me a nice assist on helping me put everything yeah. together for the proposal and yeah it all worked out really good had a fun cookout with family and friends yesterday our boy dino <laughs> he took a l a little bit it was <laughs> earl got him but oh, hey, he was down bad yeah uh congrats obviously you know really happy uh for you guys happy for jordan as well mm-hmm. but i'm i mean obviously uh, being a friend, being so close, uh, just really happy for you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I know, obviously, having Ash being married, like, I know how special that is, and I'm just glad that you've found that in somebody right. and who you're willing to have happiness with and spend the rest of your life with, because it's not easy, man. It's not right. easy to find that, and I'm, I'm just glad as, as your brother and, and partner, friend in life, that um, that you have found that. Yeah. So and Jacob texted me, congratulations, yeah. and I said, yeah, man, I'm just kind of looking forward to be able to use the excuse if I got to ask the wife, like, I'm, <laughs> he's like, he's like, no, for sure. But honestly, having a kid is the best excuse ever. And I was like, yeah, fair play. That's true. That is true. I get that. Uh, my one for the people again, just please support the live show uh, mm-hmm. this Friday, July 7th on the MMA Underground's yes, YouTube sir. channel at 930 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we will share that link in our IG story. Uh, this is a huge fight card, so come in the chat. Let's talk about it. Let's have some fun this Friday night. Until then, we'll see you guys on Friday. Happy Fourth of July. Peace. Peace.